Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Welcome on this cold Sunday morning. I'm coming to you from the basement of my house today because we decided to cancel uh, in-person worship. The ice and then the snow and then we didn't really know how much snow we were going to get. It just didn't seem right to put people in danger of driving to church this morning and trying to walk in on what could have been an icy sidewalk. So we hope that you're staying safe and welcome. I said I was coming to you from the basement of my house, and one of the reasons I like this room is the way my wife has it decorated. We have all of these pictures of our kids and us, uh, and it's a good reminder of our family, the bond that we have. Unfortunately, not everyone has that bond. They don't have that family. I want to start talking today about orphans. And we've come a long way in this country in how we deal with orphans and other children in need of homes. Now, these are children newborn to age 17 who have lost both of their parents or have been abandoned or who have parents who have been deemed unfit by the courts or for some other reason, either because of neglect or abuse or for some other reason. Prior to 1850, it was relatively loose in that it was pretty much up to people in the community to handle the situation. Orphanages were in many cases just unregulated homes, and in some cases they might even be overflowing. So like today, while there were efforts to move kids to next of kin, Sometimes it just came down to the community to decide, okay, who was going to take care of these children, Uh, especially in a rural community, a farming community, where they were separated from the big city. Well, in 1854, started a new concept called the orphan trains. Now, if both parents had died or children who were abandoned, kids didn't have anywhere to go. And so from 1854 until 1929, about 200,000 children were moved from large cities where kids lived in the streets selling rags, matchsticks, newspapers, anything they could think of just to be able to eat. They didn't have any place to live. Well, they often were exploited and abused, as you can imagine. And so there was a great effort to move these kids to areas where they might be able to find homes, find loving families. And so well-meaning people put them on trains and shipped them to places like California, farthest away possible from where they were at. But there were also Midwest stops, such as St. Louis and Chicago. And there were even some small places, like York, Nebraska. They either found a home there or housed in orphanages in these locations. 
And the idea was that they were being cared for and they were no longer living on the streets. They'd be educated. They would have a chance at a real life. Well, like I said, that went on for about 75 years. Now, we still had orphanages, but we started to see a growing concept known as foster care. And there's a really good example of this kind of setup within our own annual conference, which is made up of both Kansas and Nebraska. It's Epworth Village, and it's based in York, Nebraska, wherever that train stopped every now and then. It started off as Mother Jewel's home in 1889 as a mission of the precursor of what we now know as United Methodist Women. It was an orphanage, and that mission has changed a little bit, actually just in the last few years. Now the heavy emphasis is on foster care operations, early childhood intervention daycare facilities. Well, I get to serve on its board of directors right now, and so I'm happy to say that this is an organization that really works hard to give kids a fighting chance in life. We have about 20 kids in foster care on average. Another dozen or so families who have been teetering on crisis for one reason or another are receiving in-home coaching and care. And then another 15 to 20 are in early childhood intervention daycare. Now there are others just like Epworth Village in our, in our conference within our two states. Uh, one that you probably have heard more of than any other in Kansas is called Ember Hope slash Youthville. It's based in Newton, Kansas, but it also has offices in Wichita and in Texas. And it deals with adoption services as well as foster care services. Let's talk about foster care for just a minute. How many kids really need this kind of assistance? Well, the last statistics I could find were the year end of 2020. And it turns out that in that year, 7,200 kids, actually a few more than that, were in foster care just in Kansas. That's an increase of more than 24% just since 2010. But the good news is it's down from a peak of more than 7,700 kids in 2017. Now, one of the obstacles that we hear so much about to adoption is cost. Uh, it, turn, it turns out that it costs upwards of $50,000 to adopt a child, and most of that is because of legal fees. That definitely creates an obstacle. Um, quick story, I have a really good friend out in, in southern Utah named Eric Ludlow. He's a district judge there. Uh, Eric and I coached girls basketball together for a few years, and our daughters grew up together. Uh, and Eric would tell me that his favorite day of his work of his work week month whatever i can't remember how often it happened but was when he got to preside over the family court day where he finalized adoptions he said for all the things that he usually did because of criminal cases he was talking about things that tore families apart either because they were victims of a crime uh, or a family member committed a crime and was going to go to prison either way families were separated this was a chance for him to preside over something that brought joy to families, families were joined together instead of torn apart. It's easy to see why he liked that type of day. The point is, we have lots of kids in need of a loving family, of parents or a parent who want them and who desire to build a relationship with them, to love them. So let's turn to the scripture to see how we all has been adopted in a way into God's family. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of all time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is writing to a mixture of people in this important cosmopolitan city of Ephesus. Now, some of the people were Jews, but most were Greeks or Roman citizens. Either way, they were Gentiles, which is really just a catch-all word to mean anyone who wasn't Jewish. Now, Ephesus was the center of commerce, and it was associated with the largest and most important of cities in the world at that time. I mean, we're talking in the same class as Rome, Corinth, Antioch, Alexandria. It also was a religious destination because it was the home of the Temple of Artemis, which was the Greek goddess of childbirth, among other things. But the big one was childbirth. So Paul is trying to explain to these people where exactly they fit in with the God and with Jesus. He has to walk them through the concepts that they are now part of something bigger than a fake Greek goddess. They're part of something real, something with a real connection, like a family. At times we may need to be reminded of that as well. So before we unpack all that Paul has to tell us, let's review just a little bit. the Jews were the chosen people. God made a promise to Abraham and then to his son Isaac and then to his son Jacob. It was a promise of land, the nation of Israel. It was a promise of progeny, more descendants than the stars or sand. But not just for that family's benefit though. Genesis 12 verse 3 concludes with this phrase to Abraham, in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, if Abraham's family keeps the covenant with God, that not only will they benefit, but all the world will benefit. The idea here is that non-Jews will see the behavior, love, and harmony of the Jewish people, and they will want to be a part of it. Unfortunately, that didn't exactly happen. Oh sure, there were some high points, but mostly the Jewish people fell short of living out that blessing. They certainly didn't keep the covenant. They broke the law. It's kind of easy to see why. Remember, there were 613 of them in the Old Testament. God could have washed his hands of all of that. After all, he gave the law, he gave explanations of what to do with it. God kept his end of the bargain, the covenant. This wasn't God's problem to fix, but God chose to fix it anyway. It's a good thing for you and me. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to the people at Ephesus, and I think to us today as well. Verse five of chapter one, which I read earlier, says, God destined us for adoption as his children through Christ. A baby is born to Mary and Joseph, 
We just got done celebrating that. And through this child born to this small family, we will be brought into God's larger family. But how is that going to happen? Well, verses 9 and 10 tell us that God had a plan to, quote, gather up all things, end quote, meaning all people. A short summary of the Bible is that humans and God dwelled together in paradise until humans allowed sin to enter their hearts. God gave us the law to try to fix things, but people just couldn't keep it. So then God sent prophets to try to regather the people, re-educate them, help them understand. That didn't work either. So finally, God sent His only begotten Son to reconcile us all back to God. We talk a little bit in this congregation about the three bullet point job description we have as Christians. And it's really pretty simple. Instead of following 613 laws, God has three expectations of us. Love God, love others, make disciples. And those new disciples then will love God, love others, and make more disciples. It was the way the law was supposed to work. If we do those three things, we accomplish what the covenant would have done. Others will notice, and they'll want to be part of it. Well, how do we show love to God? Well, we show love to God by believing in Jesus Christ, and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. How do we love others? Well, that's even easier. We do what Jesus did. We love without condemnation. We give freely. And in general, we just be nice to people. How do we make disciples? Well, we've got to do those first two things really well. And then openly invite others to join us. They're not just going to come in. We have to invite people. Even Jesus openly invited the first 12 disciples to follow him. He didn't expect them just to come out of nowhere. He sought them out, he invited them, and he told them two simple words, follow me. Our direction is to ask people to follow Jesus. Why would we be any different? So that's our part in all this. What's God's part? Well, verse 13 tells us that when we do these things, when we hear the gospel, the good news, when we believe and live our beliefs, then we are marked with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to have a seal? Well, it's a mark. In Revelation, we hear of the book of life. Now, we're not going to get into that right now. That's the most famous of these seals. But, but it's like a claim on us. It's telling us that we've been selected. We've been chosen. Indeed, we have been adopted. That baby whose birth we still celebrate, he will grow up to be a man. And Jesus teaches us what it means to love others. Jesus tells us what it means to embrace peace. He also, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, provides us with the redemption through the shedding of His blood. Those of you who have been in attendance with us or watching online with us uh, heard me all during Advent use the, the illustration of Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol to talk about redemption. And we talk about it a lot at Easter time because of the cross and the empty tomb, but we can't get to those two things without first having the manger scene and Jesus being born there. Redemption means that we are now part of the family, and so we get to take part in that inheritance. We're no longer on the outside looking in. We have a family that extends all the way to a guy named Abraham. We can rejoice, because you see, Jesus' blood has already paid our adoption fee, and that's something we all can celebrate. Amen.
In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.